Hey, this is Bridget. And this is Annie. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Now today, we just want to start with a trigger warning, content warning. Um, This episode will deal with conversations around disordered eating. So if that is something that is difficult for you to listen to, just know that's what we're talking about today. Some of you probably know I am infinitely fascinated by the Kardashians. Oh, really? I am. (laughs) Uh, what, What are your thoughts on the Kardashians? I honestly do not know much about them outside of what I've learned through this show. <laughs> through me specifically. Yeah, pretty much. That is my whole world. I actually minored in, a, in Kardashian in college. I got a minor in it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that could have been, that could be really interesting. I remember reading about the science of the Kardashians, why so many people are interested in them. Mm. And it's sort of almost like you feel that you know these people because you've seen them grow up and you see them post on social media and you kind of grow to care about them in a way. Like, the science is interesting. It is interesting. And, you know, I'll be the first person to say they are hella problematic. Yeah. Um, And so I'm not saying they're heroes or they're so great, but I, I feel the same way. I feel sort of infinitely interested in them. I'm probably the only person in the world other than Kim Kardashian who owns Selfie, which is a book that Kim Kardashian released that is, as the name implies, full of her selfies. That's it. <laughs> um, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a piece of art. Um, you know who agrees with me? Tayu Cole at the New York Times put it on his collection of the best art books of that year. Um, I think if her last name was Warhol and not not Kardashian, it would be hailed as a as an art masterpiece, but... Well, you're going to have to let me borrow this, Bridget. There's an art to a good selfie. There is, and she's mastered it. And also they've mastered the sort of artifice of kind of like Hollywood, California life. That They've kind of turned that into an art. Yeah, which is interesting because aren't they in New Jersey? Am I wrong? I'm telling you, I only know <laughs> through you. Um, they're in Calabasas, California. Oh, gosh, I'm so um, sorry, sometimes Bridget. Sometimes they're in Miami for... I think- when they take Miami, Annie, Annie, Annie. This is like the reverse Star Wars <laughs> that's happening right now. <laughs> I feel like you would have tossed me out the studio if you could have. <laughs> if y'all could see the look I gave her when she said New oh, Jersey. Oh, man. There was flames. Wait, why did you think they're from New Jersey? I think because of Jersey Shore. I don't know what Jersey Shore is either. Oh, my God. And here's how I know that because... Again, I'm probably one of the only people in the world who played the Kim Kardashian cell phone game, which was A+, by the way. Oh. And it's like a role-playing game where you—maybe a role-playing game isn't right, but it's a game where you pretend—you're trying to get famous. And so you're going all over California, and when you meet Kim, Kim lives in Calabasas. And so it's like, oh— Go back. Like, do you want to go work a shift at the clothing store or go back to Calabasas and hang out with Kim? It's like a choose your own adventure kind of situation. Oh, I see. I see. So I'll be the first person to say that the Kardashians are hella problematic. And Kim did something this past week that was pretty inexcusable. You might have seen she posted this picture on Instagram. It was pretty classic Spawn Con. And it's her eating a lollipop. The caption read, you guys... At Flat Tummy Co. just dropped a new product. They're appetite suppressant lollipops, and they're literally unreal. They're giving the first 500 people on their website 15% off, blah, 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 blah. She ends with, you need to do it quick. Hashtag suck it. Oh, I see. Because it's a sucker. Yeah, sure. Got there. Yeah. 
And Annie, I got to tell you, people were not having it. Yeah. They really didn't appreciate this, and they clapped back. Mm-hmm. Because she also did the waist trainer. Mm-hmm. And... Revenge Body, that was Chloe. Yeah. Yes. Again. She turned that into a whole show. Revenge Body? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not proud of it, but I did it too, once upon a time. Turned Revenge Body into a show on E? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's one lost episode. (laughs) Please don't try to find it. (laughs) It's just a lot of crying. This whole time, Annie's been an E celebrity and didn't even know. Yeah, I'm I'm actually friends with Kim K. I didn't want to say anything. Oh. <laughs> um, so what What was the clap back? Why were people... People were clapping back far and wide. Um, the Good Place actress, Jamila Jamil, she tweeted in response to Kardashian's post, maybe don't take appetite suppressors and eat enough to fuel your brain and work hard and be successful and play with your kids and have fun with your friends and to have something to say about your life other than I had a flat stomach. So basically she was calling her out pretty hardcore for this post. Yeah, that that's some that's some burn right there. Yeah. Um, but Kim isn't alone in shilling flat tummy products. Nini Leakes and Portia Williams have also hawked them on Instagram while Hilary Duff and Nicki Minaj promoted other weight loss teas. Yeah, so if you are at all familiar with Instagram, you know that the 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 land of SpawnCon is pretty vast. And so um, weight loss products specifically is one that a lot of these sort of influencer celebrities will chill on social media. Waist trainers, detox teas, um, flat tummy gummies, all that kind of stuff. It's all sort of in this kind of nebulous, weird, faux kind of wellness world sure. where, you know, on the one hand, it's like, oh, detox with this all-natural tea, but actually it's kind of crappy for you. Yeah, um, and from the research I have done on detoxing, there's no actual science behind it. So it's it's troublesome in that way. I always, it really upsets me when I see products that purport to be healthy, healthy for you, and people spend money on them thinking that they're good for you and trying to attain this body that you're seeing and that you want to attain, and it's not going to help you and you're just going to spend money and possibly hurt yourself, do harm to your body. Well, you know who agrees with you? That would be the Advertising Standards Authority, otherwise known as the ASA, in Europe. They actually upheld a complaint against Flat Tummy, and they deemed that one of their ads had to be removed. Back in March of 2017, Giordi Shore star Sophia Kasi showed an Instagram ad espousing the wonders of Flat Tummy Tea. And it's your standard Instagram SpawnCon influencer ad where it's a picture of her before and a picture of her after. Now, according to the New Statesman, the ASA had two real issues with this post. The first complaint challenged the claim that the tea could help with water weight, and they found that the company in charge of flat tummy tea, just like you said, had no scientific evidence for this claim that they made in this ad. Now, on flat tummy tea's own website, their claims are a little more carefully crafted, and so they don't actually flat out say weight loss or promise any kind of results. They're a little bit nebulous yeah. on purpose so that they probably still don't get sued. Right. On their website, an asterisk then notes that these claims have, quote, not been evaluated by the FDA. But Instagram celebrity SpawnCon posts don't really say that. They don't say the FDA hasn't, you know, yeah. signed off on this or whatever. They just say the thing. Now, the second complaint with this ad that they had challenged the very name of the product, which is not compliant with the EU's Register of Nutrition and Health Claims. So in order to call themselves Flat Tummy Tea, 
the name has to be accompanied by a health claim as authorized by a registry, something that Nomad Choice, which is the parent company of Flat Tummy Tea, just never got. Since they can't actually prove that drinking their product will give you a flat tummy, the ASA found that they actually breached this code and that ad had to be removed. So you can sort of get a sense of how kind of wonky and legal easy this is, that you have to be able to provide specific evidence of a specific claim if you're saying that your product will help you with that claim, but oftentimes in a celebrity's Instagram post, they're not going to put that information in there. Sure, yeah. It kind of reminds me of um, <laughs> Activia with Jamie Lee Curtis. Is it Activia? Activia. <laughs> yes. It's the yogurt that helps with your poops. But it doesn't. It doesn't help with your poops? No, and uh, I think it's Yo Pl- Dannon. Dannon, whoever owns them, uh, was fined big time by for basically saying that, yes, it was going to. And they used all of this kind of vague language, like you were saying. But, I mean, the implication is clear. We all knew that that's what it was saying. But Jamie Lee Curtis said the yogurt was going to help my poops. I'm sorry, Bridget. Sorry to let you down. Have Jay- you just been eating Activia? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is a, is a brand that I trust, you know? I thought I, thought I could—she uh, was in True Lies. I thought I could trust her. <laughs> True Lies, Bridget. Think about that. <laughs> Okay, so let's take a closer look at what's actually going on with these lollipops after a quick break. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So according to the Flat Tummy website, these lollipops are made from sugar and a, quote, clinically proven safe active ingredient extracted from natural plants called satirial, which is supposedly going to make you feel full and suppress your appetite for hours. Uh, Annie, do you think this actually works? My guess would be no. Well, it's a little hard to say. There actually doesn't seem like there's that much evidence that that clinically demonstrates that this ingredient will actually help suppress your appetite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every time I've seen a study like this, there's not enough evidence. And then when they finally do collect the evidence, it shows that you need way more than you're ever going to get from, like, one lollipop. Like, you would have to eat 100 lollipops in a day to get the effect that you want. However, I don't know about this specific product. I'm just saying anecdotally from research I've done on other things, that's almost always the case. A little skeptical, Bridget. Ooh, you're a, you're a appetite suppressant lollipop skeptic. Yes, I am skeptical of that <laughs> appetite lollipop suppressant. I mean, I think I'm right to be a little skeptical. Well, I think these doctors... Agree with you. According to Rebecca Kumar, an endocrinologist at the Comprehensive Weight Control Center at the New York Presbyterian Well Cornell Medical Center, basically just because this ingredient could maybe help suppress your appetite doesn't mean that it's safe. Now, she points out that there is some evidence that the compounds in Zeterial might have beneficial metabolic effects on blood sugar and cholesterol that could potentially impact weight. But that doesn't mean that putting it in a lollipop and telling people to eat it is a healthy approach to weight loss, body image, or nutrition. So basically, the science is still sort of out. There has not been an, a comprehensive study that's, that's detailed enough to say, yes, this product will inequivocally help suppress your appetite. But that's sort of not even the right question. The question really is, even if it did work, telling people to put it in a lollipop would not be a, a, health, a healthy way of dealing with weight loss. Yeah, or body image. Uh, like she says, I, I agree on all points there. Um, and... It's always, always useful to look at who is 
paying for funding research too. I'm just going to note that because there is one study that showed maybe it could work, right? But it hasn't been studied enough to say for sure. So there was this trial which included 60 women and it showed that those who took a a daily satirical supplement, snacked less and lost more weight than the group who didn't. And studies have shown that satirical suppresses the appetites of rats, but there haven't been studies big enough to really prove its effectiveness in humans. And humans are complicated. Our bodies are complicated. So many things interact in there. I probably don't have to tell you, but I'm going to say it. It's worth repeating. Um, Claiming that a lollipop will lead to appetite suppression or weight loss is probably a little extreme, says Dr. Kumar. And I would agree. Yeah, so basically it sounds like this company found some sketchy, loose evidence that maybe this product would suppress appetite. And they made this pretty huge jump in putting it in a lollipop and marketing it as a miracle appetite suppressant, you know, cure-all. Yeah. Which is a mistake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it seems that uh, a lot of people are experiencing the mistake of of this, that they were people who take it, who use these lollipops, report a lot of issues with with them. Totally. People who use kind of sketchy Instagram-purchased weight loss products in general— seem to be having some issues. There's a a whole spate of online reviews for similar weight loss products that use the ingredient Senna and are often hawked on influencer Instagram. One review said, all it does is give you gas and make you go to the bathroom. Users are likely to experience cramps, stomach discomfort, and diarrhea. The U.S. National Library of Medicine actually claims that these are the expected side effects of Senna, but they also state, quote, don't use Senna for more than two weeks. Longer use can cause bowel movements to stop functioning normally, and might cause dependent on laxatives. Long-term use can change the amount of balance of some chemicals in the blood that cause heart function disorders, muscle weakness, liver damage, and other harmful effects. So basically, these products don't seem very safe. And it's important to point out that because these products are classified as supplements, they're not really regulated by the FDA. Yeah, absolutely. Um, None of those side effects sound good to me. And something even more troubling, the bad effects from these products might actually be good for business. While prolonged use of Senna can weaken the colon and lead to dependence on the drug, it doesn't hurt detox tea companies. It turns out dependence is great for business. If detox tea users find they can't properly function without the tea, they are more likely to turn into repeat customers. It's kind of a vicious cycle. That is so gross. And also when you look at the fact that you know, medical professionals say don't use this product for longer than two weeks at a time, no long-term use, but you actually can buy them in bulk. So it seems like these companies don't really give a crap about whether or not they're encouraging somebody to put something healthy in their body. They actually only care about their sales. And if having someone be dependent on a product that's going to mess up their insides is good for business, well then, hooray for them. Right. And the entire diet industry pretty much depends on their products not working because you're going to have to keep trying other things. They don't want you to, they don't want their product to succeed because then that's it for you, right? But if it, if it never completely works and you always feel like this pressure and I understand that desperation so much to fit a certain body type and you want to, and if someone's telling you this thing will work and you're kind of desperate and you'll try it and it doesn't work and you get stuck in this. Like, I'm going to spend my money on this. I'll try this. I'll try this. And that is only beneficial for the diet industry. 
And if we're talking about the influence that social media sites like Instagram have, you are probably also scrolling through Instagram and seeing people like Kim Kardashian looking perfect all the time. And it's just sort of fueling that idea that I need to, I need to be perfect and I need to be on this never ending quest to find that thing that's going to make me look perfect. And then if you're consuming this all the time, these people who are seemingly effortlessly perfect all the time, it just, I know I come back to this a lot, but I just think that that really probably has a very negative impact in that kind of vicious cycle that you mentioned. Oh, I totally agree. I can still remember being in third grade and I used to watch Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> that show? I guess. I, I love the theme song. Um, I, I'm, I still am, as it's probably obvious, I'm really big into movies. So I used to watch it as a kid to like get little sneak peeks of movies I wanted to see. But I remember they had this model on there and I have no idea what her name was. But she was eating a bag of Cheetos and drinking a Coke. And the interviewer was like, how do you eat these things and stay so thin? And she said, I can eat whatever I want, and I never gain weight. And I remember as a kid being like, oh, I can eat whatever I want, and I'll never gain weight. And it was totally not true, and it sent me on this really horrible journey, to be honest, that maybe I'll go into in a future episode. But it, it gets in your head that you need to look this way. And you hear and see famous people and you want to be like them and you hear what they say and you think, well, if that's what they do and it works for them, then I will try that too and it will work for me. But there's no way of knowing what they're actually doing, one. Two, bodies are different. There's genetics involved. And three, it's their job to look that way. They have a a team. Exactly. That's the one thing that, I mean, I'm I'm a broken record on this, but... If there's one thing I wish that people understood about like famous people on Instagram is that they have a team and that they have people who their job is to make them look as perfect as possible. And so she's no, of course she's not look in her of, of course Kim Kardashian does not look this way naturally. Like she has a team of people. I've seen pictures, behind the scene pictures of someone when she was taking her picture at the beach, who she was asking to like put sand on her butt cheeks in a specific way, so it photographed a specific way. Like uh-huh. she has a team. Yeah, you cannot recreate this. If you had a team, you would probably be you know banging on Instagram too. But who has a team? Right. And also, again, it's her job. So she's not trying to do anything else. Like she isn't trying to raise children alone and go to a job. And like this is her job. That's what she's paid to do. So. I had to struggle with that, too. Like, I got to work out and do all this stuff, and how am I going to fit it in with my job? There's only so much you can do as a human that that's not your your profession that you're getting paid for. Yeah, I. this is a, probably an, a, a tangent, but when I see people say things like, oh, we have the same amount of hours in a day that Beyonce has, and I'm like, well, Beyonce probably has a lot of help. She probably has live-in nannies and assistants and stuff. Yeah. If you're a single mom who is a preschool teacher— and you also work on the side. Yeah. Don't, like, don't compare your day to Beyonce's day. Like, Be- Beyonce probably has a team of people working for her. Absolutely. So her vibe is probably going to be different. Yeah. I-, I hate this idea that that we need to look to celebrities to help us figure this stuff out when their lives are so different than ours. Whether it's weight loss or, quote-unquote, having it all or whatever. Right. Like, they're living different lives. Absolutely. And, I mean, my mom used to say... Um, <laughs> Money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure makes it easier. And I, <laughs> I think about that a lot, too. Like, they can afford to have this team, 
And for me, I've, when I exercise, I, I, like, I exercise every day, and I, I think about that as a privilege that I have because I don't have to worry about kids. I don't have to, like, work two jobs, get up at 4 a.m. to go get to my first job, and then I'm out until who knows to get to my second job. I, this is, I'm lucky that I can do that. Mm. So I do think it's important to keep in mind that, yes, there's a, there's a lot that goes into looking this way, and a lollipop is probably not going to help you get there. But that's the thing. As someone who was, for a long time, was very caught up in this whole perfection, Instagram, blah, 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 bullshit, mm-hmm. it's not, I can tell you that it's not the idea that the lollipop is going to, like, make you magically thin. It's that the lollipop will turn everything around, right? That if you could just get that, per, that, that right weight or that right style or that right hair or that right this, that there's a, a, a secret something that all these other girls who seem perfect have figured out mm-hmm. and that you haven't figured out yet. And that maybe it's this lollipop. So if you buy this lollipop, maybe everything will turn around, that you'll be magically transformed into one of these perfect people. And I think, I think we've, we've deluded ourselves into thinking that the answer lies in, in something that you can buy yeah. and not within yourself. And I think social media fuels that. Again with the social media. I know, I know. And would you believe it? I mean, like, I I am like a a social media consultant. I love social media. I just, I just see how badly it, it can warp our sense of what's important. And yeah, I mean, we should not be glamorizing the idea that suppressing your appetite is cool and sexy and looks cool on Instagram because it's not cool. If bodies need food, if you need to eat, you should eat. The, ne- the healthy thing to do should not be to su- suppress. suppress your appetite. And we certainly shouldn't be making that choice seem cool and sexy for Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. I know I've seen recent years those um, like thin tests people do and they get, they kind of go viral on social media, like the, the bridge test. Mm, and the thigh gap the test. The thigh gap test. And I can tell you if I had been in middle school when those were happening. I am so glad I didn't know about the thigh gap. Oh, my God. I'm I can only so imagine. Bad. I can only imagine. Yeah. It's bad. And I, I think you see that in those, those thin tests. And you also see it just in, we, I think that we are so uncomfortable with bodies, particularly women's bodies. And we want bodies, like we, we have this almost a fetishization of thin bodies yeah. and quote-unquote healthy bodies and, you know, we, it, it's, it's really, it's, I don't know, I don't know how we've got here, but we've turned kind of body obsession and body fetishization into a kind of contest on social media. And I, I'm, it's just, I, it's horrifying. It really is. It's really, it's really frightening. Because it, it does, um, especially for um, teenagers and younger, younger women, it can be dangerous. Um, I have a friend who she took a supplement repeatedly to lose weight. And she was, I mean, not that it matters, but she was already really thin. Um, and she, I think she had kidney failure. She lost her kidney. Mm. Yeah. And it breaks my heart because she was doing it almost just to achieve this thing that is really out of reach. And she, I mean... She shouldn't have been trying to lose weight anyway, but she thought she had to reach this, this image that she saw in her head. Why do you think she felt that way? I think because we see it all the time. Um, 
And I think too, if we, again, uh, if we value women on their looks and their body and we're saying that this is the, this is the standard, this is what you want to look like to be worth more, to be valued more. Um, and there's also, I, um, I read, and I can't wait to talk about this in an episode, um, but I read that women um, are more likely to be obsessive about numbers. And I, I relate to that so much. I can't wait to talk about that. Um, but they, they talked about, in the article I was reading, it was a really long, in-depth article, and it was great. And hopefully I can find it and link to it. Um, they were talking about how for women, sometimes that translates into weight, the number on the scale, and you become obsessed with it. And it's just like every day you're checking it multiple times. And it could have it could have been that too. And it it's upsetting on a whole other level because she was so good at hiding it. I didn't know <sighs> until it happened. I didn't know if she was taking the supplements. So she hit it really well. Um, and that's, I mean, I feel like her story is more common than than we think. Yeah, I mean, one of the hallmarks of disordered eating or food issues is being able to hide it really well. Yeah. You know, I, I've i never struggled with that myself, but I have had friends that did. And once I kind of learned certain kind of tells, you know, you cut your food up a lot or you, you know, yeah. things like that, like they, like small things that you would, that wouldn't give it away, mm-hmm. um, you sort of realize, wow, this person has developed an entire way of being to not to avoid this thing coming out and it really is probably very exhausting and very like on top of already having an issue around food feeling like you have to hide it all the time and that if you if you go to dinner with a friend you need to have little tricks so that they, they don't get wise that's also probably very isolating and also probably just makes it that much harder to op- to open up about it. If you if you feel like you've yeah. already developed these habits and these little quirks that will help you be able to do this without anyone finding out, those kinds of behaviors, I, I would imagine, just make you feel that much more isolated. Yeah, I I struggled with eating disorders when I was in middle school and high school. Um, one of my nicknames was anorexia. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I thought, kind of similar to what you were saying earlier, I thought everyone did it and just hid it. It's kind of similar to me too in sexual harassment. Like, I thought we were all doing it. And that's the reason why people looked a certain way. And so you you had to hide it. Like, nobody talked about it, but we all did it. Right. Um, which is just awful. And it's it's wild to me looking back now that I just assumed that's what everyone must be doing. One in one way or the other, you're you're doing something. Well, I also think that food issues are probably more common than we think yeah. because it's because of that that need to not talk about them and feeling like you need to hide it. Like I like it it wouldn't surprise me if in if you're in your junior high of 100 girls, if 90 of them maybe they don't have eating disorders but have some sort of issue around food because I, w- I would I would not say I have an eating disorder but I would say I, I've had issues with food and I think that's very common oh me too I, th- I think that especially women but not just women I think a lot of us have very troubled relationships with food right or, or complicated or something this is not unfortunately it's not as easy as I'm hungry and this is delicious and food is a wonderful social experience and I am such a proponent of that but I think for a lot of us 
that is not the case. And even if, like, it is a smaller, maybe a smaller issue that you have, I, I do think a lot more people struggle with it. Well, this actually reminds me so much of the episode we did around women and drinking, where yeah. not that many women meet the, you know, CDC's definition of being an, a quote-unquote alcoholic. Right. But when you—so that's, so that's one thing. That's one bucket. But then so many more are what you might call problem drinkers, where you're not—maybe you're not a full-on alcoholic, but you have an issue. And so yeah. maybe you have too much, or maybe you don't know when to, to stop. And so I think it's that same kind of thing. Like, there are probably a lot of women out there and a lot of girls out there who are—have eating disorders. But there are also probably— I, I would say probably everybody at some point has an issue around food because we, we, it's just the nature of, of society, I think, right? As women, we are told that we have to look a certain way, act a certain way, eating a certain way in public is not okay. But then you have to also be the like hot girl who wants to eat like ribs Burgers or whatever, and you know? Beer, yeah. And so all of those things can't be true at once. Yeah. So what do you do? Exactly. <laughs> what do you do? And that's another thing I can't wait to talk about is that cool girl stereotype. And it kind of reminds me of the cheerleading thing, too. This, it connects to a lot of things. Because in the cheerleading episode, we talked about how there were rules about how much bread you could eat in public. Which is... <laughs> it goes to show how much of a, a problematic relationship that we have with food and how it impacts our body. And it's weird because it's the thing that we need. You need it. And I would hope that we could enjoy it. But yeah, we need it to live, and yet we have turned it into such a fraught, complex issue. We have, yeah. Which I guess is is the point. It's it's why Kim Kardashian takes selfies, get gets money to take selfies, telling her very young audience that that it's cool to suppress your appetite when you're hungry. Right. That it that if you want to look this way, then that is something that you probably would have to do. Um, didn't she post her her meal, like a menu of what she eats in a day? Probably. I, I think so. It wasn't, I mean, it was like your dieting food, but hopefully that is what she was eating because I think it was at least like 1,200 to 1,500 calories. It wasn't just a salad. I have nine appetite suppressant lollipops and some tap water. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. For lunch, <laughs> I have more lollipops. For a long time, if you typed in woman on Google, I don't know if this is true anymore. If you did an image search, um, it was a woman, a really thin woman eating a salad and smiling like it was the best day of her life. <laughs> yeah, salads rare, rarely make me that happy. No, I mean, every now and then, but generally, like, I like a salad, but I'm not, like, having the time of my life eating it. No, I've never eaten a salad that, where I wasn't under duress. <laughs> like, someone making me... <laughs> Although I did, oh, this is so, so this is so exciting. Like I, I'm not immune to this. I was once on a date, and the date he, I was at a restaurant and texted, and they were like, "Oh, I'm gonna be late." And I ordered an entire plate of pasta and then ate it. And then when the date came, I acted like I hadn't eaten it, and then oh. I ordered a salad. Bridget, <laughs> so also, I would do that too. This poor waiter was like, "I just saw this. I just saw this woman eat an entire plate of pasta." <laughs> And but then, he didn't say anything, and then, right? Yeah, well, he didn't dye me out. Okay. He <laughs> was like, oh, she's pretending like she didn't, but she did. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I would do that, too. I would do that, too. Um, but getting back to social media, um, we have 
an Instagram horror story about detox tea for you. Um, from Teen Vogue's Sarah Lawrence, an 18-year-old student from Calabasas, California, also tried a tea tox program after seeing positive results on Instagram. Um, Sarah chose to go with booty and couldn't wait to see results. Quote, I had just come back from my first semester of college and really wanted to reset my body after having gained a few pounds during my first semester away. I ordered the 28-day booty cleanse and was really excited about it. But the first night after taking the nighttime tea, I got this splitting pain in my stomach at 3 a.m. It was one of the most horrible things I have ever felt. We're talking about a gut-wrenching pain. It was kind of scary because I didn't know what was happening. All I knew was that I had drank the tea. After ordering nearly a month's worth of tea, Sarah decided to try sticking to the program for a little longer. And the the quote continues, I couldn't change the fact that I had already paid for all this tea. Plus, the nighttime cramps had eased off, and by about two weeks, I had already lost five pounds. It was around that point I was supposed to get my period, but it didn't come. My period is pretty regular, so I started to worry when another week had gone by and it still hadn't shown up. Sarah took a pregnancy test, which came back negative. After noticing she had begun to feel sluggish and dizzy on a regular basis, she decided to stop drinking booty tea. (laughs) I hope that's how you pronounce it. Booty before detox was up. Quote, I gained all the weight I had lost back basically as soon as I stopped drinking the tea, but I started to feel normal again, and I got my period soon after that. Damn. That is pretty scary stuff. Uh, If you're drinking something that can impact your body in that way, that's pretty serious. Yeah, that's that's really frightening. And again, it goes back to she gained the weight almost according to her. She got it back. So again, the, they this company wants you to be dependent on the tea to keep buying it because otherwise they're not going to make money off of you anymore. Well, Sarah actually isn't alone Women on online forums have been complaining that weight loss teas impact their periods. Dr. Karen Cretina, who is a nationally recognized nutrition therapist, told Teen Vogue this is actually kind of possible. She says the reasons behind period disruption from detox teas are not super clear, but she did say that stimulants found in detox teas can affect stress hormones and that stress hormones are actually known to impact your periods. And again, I mean, something that is messing with your body's, you know, normal way of functioning. It's probably not something you want to be, you know, messing with, particularly if you bought it because Portia Williams on Real Housewives of Atlanta told you to on Instagram. Yeah, she's not a uh, medical professional. No, Portia Williams did not go to medical school. No. <laughs> of that, I am very sure. Okay, cool. Um, that's kind of why, yeah, going back to the lollipops, that is so problematic. Um But there's also a deeper issue going on, which is that we shouldn't be glamorizing food issues. We'll get more into that after a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So the data analytics from Mojo looked at the demographics of Kim's social reach. And unsurprisingly, she has a big pool with young women. I just said that so Southern. And I'm not normally Southern accented. Un- unsurprisingly. I said pool. She, she has a large pool with young women. <laughs> That's pretty good, Bridget. <laughs> if I can do That's a Southern rigid. accent. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to ask Now, her biggest demo. <laughs> <laughs> her biggest demo market online is women age 18 to 24, 40.25%, and women aged 13 to 17, which is about 18.2%. 
Now let's look at the data around disordered eating. Well, anorexia is the third most common chronic illness among adolescents. 95% of those with eating disorders are between ages 12 and 25. Half of girls between age 11 and 13 see themselves as overweight, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. 80% of 13-year-olds have attempted to lose weight. So basically, the numbers of people who are consuming Kardashian content on social media and the numbers of people who are dealing with or at risk of dealing with disordered eating are the same. So basically, she is, her consumer base online, her audience, is the exact same audience of young women who are either dealing with or are at risk for dealing with disordered eating. Yeah. So really, that just really makes you wonder, what the f*** is Kim Kardashian telling this group of young women who are already at risk for such a serious, serious situation? What the f*** is she telling them that it's cool to suppress your appetite? They're clearly already at risk for this kind of thinking being a, a problem for them. And it makes you wonder... I love Kim Kardashian, but does she not understand the reach that she has? Does she not understand her audience? And does she not understand the implications of doing something like that? I'm kind of prone to say, going back to to my thing earlier where I thought that's just what you did. You had an eating disorder. I wonder if it's sort of like, I don't know, this is, I've, I've had to, suppress my appetite to achieve this like it like it the seriousness of it is lost like it oh girls we just do that you know what I mean if if it's seen less as eating disorder and more of like I want to look this way and I want this body type and to do that I'm just not gonna eat huh you know like kind of brushed off mm. of how damaging it is I, I do think that some people I've I've heard people mention in passing to me like I'm just going to not eat supper anymore until I get to this weight. And they say it in a way that's very, um, like, they don't, they're not taking into account how, to me, that sounds like a really bad attitude towards food, a really a troubled way, <laughs> a troubled, a, a bad way to go about achieving a certain weight, an unhealthy way to get there. Um, but it's just sort of seen like, this is what you do to get to this weight that I want to do and I'm going to suffer through it and I'd rather look this way than be healthy. I think you're right. I think that there is a disconnect between the seriousness of eating disorders and the sort of quote-unquote casual everyday, I'm going to not have dinner, I'm going to suppress my appetite, I'm going to eat this lollipop, I'm going to get this waist trainer, whatever. I think that it's easy to see those things as very different, but they're in fact connected. And let's be real, eating disorders are serious. According to the National Association of Anorexia, Neurosia, and Associated Disorders, every 62 minutes, at least one person dies as a direct result of an eating disorder. And eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. And yeah, I mean, it's a very, very serious thing. And I think you're right. I think that people like Kim Kardashian perhaps are not connecting that notion to ration your food or suppress your appetite or to think about your, your body's responses in, in a way like that. They're not connecting that with the person who dies every 62 minutes, but they are connected. Yeah. And again, I am reminded of sexual harassment where women 
from past generations were sort of socialized and trained to, like, this is just how it is. And if you, if you want to make it in this world, you're going to have to put up with this. And for eating disorders, I think it's the same. Like, if, if it's just this message that we're sort of sending young women almost like the revenge body. We're telling people, this is your worth. You're going to make people jealous. They're going to value you more. They're going to want to look like you. You're going to have more power. But to do that, you have to do this. You have to take this lollipop. We all do it. Just just get on board. It's Yeah, it breaks my heart because when you're younger, you don't have the tools to realize the damage of that message. And I think there is almost, like like you were saying, a glorification of um, of eating disorders. Like it's this tragic thing that you're dealing with, but people are going to, they're going to be like, oh, look at her. She looks so good. I think that's exactly part of it. I think that there is a, I hate to say this, and it sounds really f***ed up, but this is what I think. I think that for women, the way that we deal with eating disorders in the media, it's associated with attitudes like, oh, so-and-so is so disciplined or so regimented. Yeah. And like, we we almost, maybe glamorizing isn't the right word, but we almost kind of praise people yeah. for being able to have the quote-unquote willpower yeah. to do this. And it's like, oh, they must really care about looking good. They must really care about being their best selves or whatever. Yeah, And it's just, it's, I, I think that we, yeah, I think that we, the way that the way that bodies exist in our society, the way that the fact that you would have a bad breakup with someone and that a uh, uh, response would be to develop a revenge body to get back at them, like that's how, when you break down that concept, it's pretty odd. Yeah, it's it's upsetting. It's very upsetting, and I totally get it, and I've done it. You, you want to be like, see, I'm I'm yeah, I'm my best self. I'm I'm looking good. Yeah, I mean, who among us doesn't want to when after a breakup? post a good-looking selfie with, yeah. you know, nice for what as the caption, like, looking good, you know? <laughs> yeah. I get it. I totally get it. I completely get it. But again, I, I think that it takes us away, like, our bodies are ours. Your yeah. body belongs to you. And yeah. what you do with it and how you use it and how it makes you feel, that should be, that is a very personal relationship. And I don't like that things like revenge body and things like, like, de- like dealing with your weight in public and all of that, like, I think that removes us from the idea that your body is yours and that, you know, you should love it and take care of it and and feel good about it. And sometimes it's going to fail you. Sometimes it's going to be an unhealthy body or a thin body or an overweight body or whatever. Like, your body is going to change and that's okay. And that, you know, all bodies are are ours and that we are, 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 your relationship with your body is your own. And I don't like anything that suggests that you, your body should be a tool to accomplish something for somebody else or some societal standard. And I think, yeah. that, I think, that, that, I think that this sounds a little bit like esoteric, but that's the, the nugget that I think bothers me so much. Yeah. I, I mentioned in a past episode about how women used to catch tuberculosis to look thin, to look a certain way. And how they would do it knowing they were going to die, but they wanted to look that way for a little bit. And it, this is almost more dangerous because y- you don't realize when you do it, like you, th- you, you justify it in your head. Like you start out small. Okay, I'm going to skip dinner today. 
But it's the same. People are dying to look a certain way, to achieve a certain body type. And we're kind of just dismissing it as like, well, that, 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 was, that was for them. That was a problem that they had. But, you know, women, a lot of us can do this and we're fine, which I don't think is true. Um, and I'll say for me, like, there's just so much brain space that you use because you think about it all the time. You could use that for so many other things. Mm. And it's not, I'm not saying it's easy at all. It is not. But just there's so much other stuff you could be thinking about. But instead, I think we're telling women to think about how can you look this way? And when you're hungry all the time, you don't want to, you don't have the energy to think about anything, really. It's just, it's really, it's upsetting. Yeah. It's a tough one. <laughs> it is upsetting. And it's, I think it's, I think I hear this sort of exasperation in your voice because not only is it upsetting, I don't think it has an easy answer. I don't know. I just, I wanted to end this episode on like a positive, what can you do? I don't know that this has an easy answer. I don't think that we're, I mean, I don't think that we, I think this is just our culture. I agree. It's going to take dramatic culture and societal shifts, which I do think we're slowly working towards. But it's so slow, like glacially, <laughs> glacially slow. And it starts so soon. That's what I try to stress to people when I'm talking about this, talking about things like this, is you don't realize the messages that kids are taking in and how early. And they don't realize it either. It's, all, it's subconscious. But if you're seeing this all the time, this one type of body, and you know that this, this woman is really powerful and she's famous and everyone sees her as beautiful, you can't help but want to be like that. So if you're not like that, you will go to, you will try these methods. And it, it can just become this thing that you do hide from everyone in your life because you're embarrassed that you have to go to those methods and you know that they're not right. But you would rather look that way. There, yeah, there's no, there's no easy, easy answer. But just try to, I don't know, Take care of yourself and recognize recognize media for what it is. Like dissect your media. Um, yeah. And until then, I guess we can just try to do what we can to move away from this. And I don't know. I wish, like when I was younger, I wish someone had told me that your value is not in how you look. If someone out there needs to hear that, your value is not how you look. Yep. It's, it's true. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, easy, easy for us to say. Yes. And That's the thing, yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, we are adult women yep. who struggle. I mean, I don't, speak, I don't speak for you, but I struggle with that concept. Yeah. And it's just so stupid. Like, what are we all doing? You know, it's like, like why do we have to live with this? You know, if you, if I, I, I talk to my young cousins who are so young and they're like 10 and they're talking about their weight and how they look and their, their hair. My one cousin has very, kind of like myself, had like very short curly hair 
she wants so badly to have like hair that hangs, how she how how she describes it. Mm-hmm. And I think you're so young, you're such a baby, right? You know, yeah. all the things to 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 get to rent your brain space out to like this. Yeah, and I do it too. So so like, how could I even tell her? Like like, part of me feels like a fraud, right? Yeah. Because it's it's just I don't know if we'll like yeah maybe this is just our culture. But I'll tell you this: people like Kim Kardashian who have a giant reach and have a giant platform and are hugely influential, especially for young women, I think they do have a responsibility. And it, I'm not, I mean, on the one hand, it sucks that I'm, I'm saying that people like Kim Kardashian should take a special responsibility to help do the, what small part they can to combat these kind of toxic ideas. But that's exactly what I think. You know, I think with power comes responsibility. And I think that, I think that, that Instagram post was irresponsible and inexcusable. And I think someone out there, some little girl, saw that and thought, oh, that's an idea. Yeah. I agree. I think we have to be mindful that people are watching. And it does, on the one hand, it sucks because celebrities are people too. And... <laughs> who knew we were going to get so deep talking about Kim I know, Kardashian? This is, I was like, oh, this will be it. Easy, like, yeah. wrap it up. Now I'm, like, about to cry. I know. <laughs> it's, it's inescapable, and it's, on the one hand, I do feel almost like it's unfair, but on the other hand, I'm like, well, too bad. Like, we can't have just, it's dangerous not to think about how you're impacting people who are consuming your media. In this case, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, if Kim Kardashian has to go without a $2,000 check or whatever from Flat Tummy Tea to have a group of girls not feel bad about themselves, I'm kind of okay with it. I I honestly think, you know, she has a responsibility—not just her. People with a platform have a responsibility to not contribute to stuff that's really toxic. And— Part of me thinks that she knows this because that Instagram post mysteriously vanished. Uh, And then she put it back up and said, oh, it was deleted accidentally, which deleting an Instagram post is very difficult. I don't don't buy that for a second. (laughs) And for somebody who uses the gram as much as she does, I don't buy that for a second. (laughs) And so I think, and also she's someone, one of the reasons why I like her is that because she does seem to understand that, like, she is a proponent for Planned Parenthood, right? Like, she does seem to understand that she has this this big reach. And I think I want to see more people with influence just doing what they can. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm always a big proponent of education. You know, we should... I think we wait too long to have these conversations. I really do, because it starts so young. So educate people about about eating disorders and what you can do how to recognize signs in yourself and in others. That's one step as well. Um, But if this is something, if you've made it this far and this is something that you struggle with, congrats to you. I know it must have been tough, but we do have um, eating disorder hotline info. Yeah, if you are someone for whom this is an issue that you want to get a handle on, you should do that. Or if you have a friend or a loved one for whom you think they, they could benefit from talking to someone, you should definitely, definitely take those steps. You can reach out to the National Eating Disorder Hotline. The number is 1-800-931-2237.
That's 1-800-931-2237. And if you're having a crisis situation, you can text NEDA to 741741 to be connected with a trained volunteer at the crisis text hotline. Again, if you, I think that this is an issue that we don't talk enough about. And I hope that someone listens and says, I'm, I no longer want to feel this way and I want to talk to somebody about it. Yeah, I hope so as well. I know a lot of people, I personally know a lot of people and myself included, I would have loved to have heard this at a younger age. Who knows how much grief it could have saved me. So hopefully we've, we've reached someone. <laughs> um, maybe Kim Kardashian is going to think twice about the next dummy tea. <laughs> I'd like to think we have that power. Yeah, and she doesn't even need the money. Come on, Kim. Yeah. She's rich. Come on, come on. Yeah, I think that's what we had to say about that. Or, but we have a lot more homework to do. For sure. I wish I'd been keeping track of how many times we said, we should do an episode on this. It's probably like 10 times. But um, it brings us to a segment we're bringing back, listener mail. I know, that's, that's quite the turn. <laughs> I know. Well, we like to end on something a little upbeat. Bridget recently gave me the keys to the email, and I like spent over 24 hours reading every email. <laughs> Yeah, I should add, first of all, y'all know I hate email. But second of all, we get so much email in our mom stuff email. And we try to go through it, but it's so, it's, I'm not lying, right? It's so much. It is so much. It's, a, it's too much for one person to reasonably sift through, unless that person is Annie Reese, <laughs> email fiend. I had such an emotional roller coaster because it, I think a lot of it started because the inbox changed from Chris and Caroline to Bridget and Emily. So it started around the time of the election. And so I was just like reliving the hits, the highs, the lows of what's been going on in the past years. And so many of you had so many amazing things to say. So really happy to bring it back. And we could probably do a couple episodes that are entirely listener mail. Um, And to start off, I wanted to read this thing that Caitlin wrote. Um, She wrote about our um, female action figures episode, and a lot of you did. Can't wait to read some more of those on air. But she, Caitlin wrote, thank you for the wonderful show about the lack of female action figures. I remember hearing about a group getting together who actually took other types of dolls, repainted them, made new outfits, and made the Ray dolls everyone wanted. That's awesome. Um, I'm also emailing to show off this weird site where people take comic and game illustrations and revamp them mostly with Hawkeye, but other heroes and villains are included as well. Hoping you can all get a laugh from these. It's called the HawkeyeInitiative.com. It's amazing. I loved it. Thank you so much, Caitlin. It is super amazing. Yes. It's like Hawkeye Oh, my usually. God. The Spidey pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see what we're... You, you have to go to it. It's... I can't even describe it. It's... Um, it's retaking usually comic book covers that have really overly sexualized women on the front and then putting men in those same overly sexualized positions. And it's excellent and hilarious. And I love it. So definitely check it out if that's something you're interested in. I love it too. Uh, Thank you for sharing that, Annie. (laughs) Uh, I've got one for you. Yvonne wrote about our 420 episode, I currently live in San Antonio, Texas, where I came for college and I'm working now. But I am born and raised from Mexico. 
To Annie's point on knowing and being conscious of where things you consume come from and its impact they have on society, well, a lot of drugs do go through or come from Mexico to get to the U.S., and a lot of people in these border town cities have suffered due to drug trafficking, due to cartels, that are in the business of getting drugs to the United States and making a lot of lives miserable. My hometown is Reynosa, Temolipas. And for years, the people living there have been victims of random shootings in the street, of cartels fighting with each other over power. People have gone missing, clandestine graves have been found, and people have been chased away from their hometowns. So not only minorities in the U.S. have been arrested due to that illegal joint that ex-teenager is smoking, people might have died in several countries depending on where that joint came from. If weed were legal in the U.S., though, you can grow it in your own country and maybe demand for outside drugs would decrease, and not only the states would have a better place, but other countries as well. Isn't that a wonderful dream? I just really agree with you when you said that we should look at where the things we consume come from, especially when it's uncomfortable to talk about. Anyway, I should tell you that I, of course, hold Mexico's government accountable for fixing these issues, but it's been seven years, and that hasn't happened. Yeah. Yeah, I think this, I think Yvonne gets to the heart of, if you recall that episode, I was pretty uncomfortable with 420 and sort of weed culture in general, even though I obviously am am for legalization, but... I think that this letter really gets to the heart of why I have a lot of tension around that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something we didn't touch on a lot in that episode, and I'm glad that Yvonne wrote in from Mexico having this experience and this um, point of view. It's the, yeah, it's not only the United States where this is causing problems. It's also impacting Mexico. So, I again, just, yeah, keep in mind where what you consume comes from and the it, the complete cost of it. Yeah. <laughs> Not the, I don't want to well, I don't want to open a whole can of worms, but yes. I mean, Yvonne p- points this out masterfully, but we don't care about the brown bodies whether they're Mexicans trying to live their life and and you know, cartels wreaking havoc on their on their ability to do that or black and brown folks in the United States being thrown in jail. We don't care about the black and brown bodies that are fueling our really anything. I was going to say you know, yeah. drug trade, but really anything, whether it's food production or whatever, like we don't care. Yeah. And I think that her letter demonstrates that. I agree. And I think that's one of the reasons why I have such a problem with it, because it's all fun and games to be rah-rah, smoke weed every day, blah, blah, blah. So fun. Yeah. But it's not fun to think about the, fa- like the family that can't live a normal life because of this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So thanks to both of them for writing in. And thanks as always to our producers, Dylan Fagan and Kathleen Quillian. Um, You can write us as well. We have an email. It's momstuff at howstuffworks.com. Don't encourage people to fill that box. No, I'm (laughs) kidding. Please write in. (laughs) Please write in. Oh, so many people sent pictures of their kids in like superhero costumes. Please keep that up. Um, you can also find us on social media. That's right. We're on Instagram at Seth Mom Never Told You and on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast. Mm-hmm.